0: In John chapter 12, this morning, and so uh, it's uh, thematically, it's it's a real uh, how can we put this? It it's a real piece of depth that that John presents to us because John deals with uh, the question that we all have in our heart: why why are some people uh, that we love so much and have shared faith with for uh, so long, uh, why don't they come uh, to faith in Jesus Christ? And so John grapples with it uh, in the context of uh, Jesus' ministry coming to a close and, and the signs, but that's our teaching. So let's pray together and and then we'll begin in uh, John uh, chapter 12 uh, v- verse 36. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning and Lord, we pray for those that we love, uh, that, that we've shared faith with, shared our heart with, uh, sometimes over and over again, Lord, and, uh, and they've not come to faith in you. And so I, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us this morning uh, to keep on loving them, to keep on uh, proclaiming your word, and, and Lord, that you would give us faith and hope in our hearts to see them come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, as we go to your word this morning, let's speak to our hearts, Lord, and help us and encourage us and bring hope into our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we come to John chapter 12, and at the end of verse 36, John writes this. He says, When Jesus had said these things, he departed... And hid himself from them. And so what we see in our text is we see the close of Jesus' public ministry. And what he's going to do uh, next, he's going to pivot. And he's going to go speak and encourage his disciples. He's going to go into the upper room. He's going to wash their feet. It's, it's just some amazing things are going to happen as Jesus goes to the cross and gives up his life and and then the resurrection and the Uh, post-resurrection. It's an amazing uh, closure on one side and then an opening to see Jesus fulfill his father's plans to be that that penal substitutionary atonement for, for your sins and my sins. And so John has a comment. John's comment is in verse 37. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. And John had seven signs. He structured his his gospel. We can see that structure in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John had a heart to order things in a way to, to invite people to believe in Jesus. And so up to this point, we see seven miracles that the religious leaders, the people in Jerusalem, they all experienced them, came to know about them. I've listed them out in your notes, but in John chapter 2, changing water into wine at the feast in Cana. Uh, John chapter 4, healing the royal official's son. John chapter 5, healing the paralytic. Uh, 6, feeding the 5,000. 6, Jesus walking on water. And then 2, really unprecedented um, miracles in John chapter nine, healing the man that had been born blind from birth extraordinary, unprecedented. and then another one in John chapter eleven, raising lazarus from from the dead. and yet John's witness for all these um, signs that pointed to Jesus as Messiah, as Lord, as having all authority and power over all things, all these signs, there was still a great many people that, that didn't believe in Jesus. And so John began, even from John chapter 1, uh, verse 11, it, John says this, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so from the very beginning, you see this tension in John that the word of God is going out. The signs and wonders are happening. And some will believe and some will not. And so John addresses that question and he does it in a pretty unique way. What he does is he looks back 700 years to the prophet Isaiah, and he says to the people that have this question, like why didn't God's people, why didn't they believe in God the Father sending Jesus as Messiah? Come to the text with me. You'll see the references that John makes out of Isaiah 53.1 and Isaiah 6.10. So we're in verse 37. It says, Though he had done so many signs before them, They still do not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 39. Therefore, they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, verse 40, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Now, that seems difficult, God-hardening their eyes. But I think if we were to go to Romans chapter nine, Romans chapter 10, and Romans chapter 11, the great theologian of the church, the Apostle Paul, he deals with the complexity, of God's sovereignty. He deals with uh, the complexity of God wooing. He deals with the complexity of God is sovereign and all powerful and executes his purposes, yet man is still responsible. He's not off the hook. And Paul goes on to say that we're still responsible to proclaim the gospel even to people that seemingly have rejected the gospel. Uh, come briefly with me to Romans chapter nine uh, this morning, and you can see the, how, how well the Apostle Paul uh, deals with these, say, difficult uh, difficult topics. So come with me to Romans chapter nine, and what we're gonna see in Romans chapter nine, verse one, we see this, we see Paul being transparent about his desire for his countrymen to come to faith in Christ just like you and I uh, pray for our relatives our moms our dads our our uh, sisters and our brothers and our uncles and our aunts and the people that we love that they would come to faith in Christ and that desire is is of God look at Romans chapter 9 look, look at how Paul puts it i am speaking the truth in Christ i am not lying my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish of my heart. For I, w- for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And so you see that, that passionate heart of the Apostle Paul towards those, his kinsmen, that have not accepted Christ. And what he does, he gives us an understanding that God is sovereign, he has his purposes, he's executing his plans, and out of the rejection that the Jews had of rejecting the gospel, out of that rejection comes forth the gospel to the Gentiles. Take a look at Romans chapter 10, and we could look at nine and 10 because even though that's all true, that even if the Lord's purposes was for, and is and was for, for Israel to reject the Messiah so that the gospel could go to the Gentiles, it doesn't relieve any personal responsibility to seek God, to accept God, nor does it relieve any uh, responsibility from you and I not to share the gospel. Uh, Romans chapter 10 says it much better uh, than than I can. It says, we can start in verse 8 of 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him to the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And so Paul's crafting this uh, his theology that helps us to understand that absolutely, God is sovereign. His, out of his plans, Israel rejected the Messiah. It opened up the way for the Gentiles to receive the gospel. But even in the context of that, Every single person is responsible for what they hear, and responsible before a just and holy God to respond to that. And we are not off the hook. Now I know there's some hyper-Calvinists that would teach that there's that there's no reason to preach the gospel because it, what will be will be. Now that's not exactly a fair to their theology because it's pretty it's pretty. Uh, wiry and, and deaf but anyway I'll, I'll leave that for someone else but Paul comes at it and says oh no that's not true come, come to verse 12 for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek but the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing on the riches of all who call, him and call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and how then will they call on him and whom they have not believed and then Paul goes on Talking about Isaiah and uh, blessed are those that blessed are the feet of those that come and proclaim the good news, and that's our job. And so, come back to John chapter twelve with me. John deals with a very hard question. He says, "Look, they had all these signs, but they've rejected the Messiah. And what we're going to find out is that even though that rejection happened, God's purposes were executed. The Gentiles." get to hear the gospel, and some of those Jews, that remnant that's in that mass of people, they respond, such as Joseph of Arimathea or Nicodemus. Come back to the text with me. We'll take a look. Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. What? (laughs) Who did Isaiah see? He saw Jesus In his glory. And John affirms the connection that Jesus is that Messiah that Isaiah saw high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Jesus is that mighty counselor. Jesus is that prince of peace. Jesus is the savior, the suffering servant that we see in the servant psalms of Isaiah, in particular Isaiah 53, and John makes a remarkable statement. The same statement that we go on in, and we can see in John chapter 8, verse 56, where where Abraham saw Jesus and rejoiced. And so there's a great truth here in the sense of where in the Bible does Jesus are, does it point to Jesus as God, Jesus as Messiah? Well, this is one of many. Good proof text. Verse 42. Nevertheless, and I love these, <laughs> I, love, I love these connectives. Nevertheless, or but, nevertheless, the gospel went out and captured the hearts of a remnant of Jews. Just like in our day, as we're faithful and understanding that God is sovereign, nothing will thwart his purposes. Yet in the context of that, he calls you and I to proclaim his gospel message. And he, God, in his justice, requires those that have heard it to respond. And if they don't respond, they have have judged uh, themselves. And so, back to the text. Here we are. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And so John is describing a very difficult situation where the early church had questions like, why didn't they believe? Why didn't they see? Why didn't they respond? Why were they so fearful? when you see the disciples going forth into all the known world and giving up their life and, uh, for the gospel, they were just asking why, the same way we ask, well, why isn't my, my dad or my mom or, or my aunt or my uncle, or, or, I mean, I've shared my faith with them. My encouragement to you is never give up. Never stop sharing the gospel. Never stop loving people because you never know what God will do with the next announcement, the next proclamation that comes into their heart. John takes the last few verses of John chapter 12 and he exalts Jesus. He exalts Jesus, he tells us in summary fashion who he is. It's a great, not only are the seven miracles, the seven sign miracles in John, a great personal study But these last verses are rich for your daily devotion to take each one and reflect on on it and what does it mean to you. Take a look at the verses with me, verse 44 through the end of the chapter. It says this, that and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. And whoever sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's what we were just talking about, that that when the word of God comes to people, it's not not the Lord who judges them and, and is punitive towards them. It's their own lack of faith and belief, and John makes that clear. For I have not spoken on my own authority, But the father who sent me, he has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me. And so when we look at these in verses 44 and 45, Jesus claims complete equality to the father. Jesus is God, many pundits say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Verses 44 and 45, need I say what we've already talked about Isaiah. Second affirmation that John brings us in verse 46, Jesus brings spiritual transformation to those that would step towards him. If you remember, before Jesus closed out his public ministry, what does he say to the people that have the questions? He says to the people that have questions, he says this to them, come with me, and John Chapter 12, we looked at it last week. So Jesus said to them, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be transformed so that you might become sons of light. We're all going to have questions in life. And what Jesus does He says, you might have questions, but step into me, believe in me, trust in me. And he says, if you'll do that, with all your questions, step into Jesus. He, through the power of his Holy Spirit, will transform your life, and you will be a child of God. In verse 48, Jesus' words serve as judge to those who reject his offer of salvation. And finally, Jesus' message is one and the same with the Father. See the unity with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian formula in the scriptures. And this, the commandment is to believe in the Son and receive eternal life. To disobey is to reject the Son's message and receive eternal damnation, verses 49 and 50. And so John deals with this age-old question. They've seen the signs. They've heard the proclamation. Yet they've not believed. What is our response to that? Our response out of Romans chapter 10 is that we keep on loving them. We keep remembering that everyone, it's unqualified, unrestricted. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be, will be saved. So how are they going to hear? Except that you and I continue to be good representatives of the grace and mercy of God, that you and I to have a humble heart towards those that don't know Christ that you and I in our community of believers reflect not pride and boisterous uh, you know, attitudes, but we have a heart to serve and a heart to love people and so It really does boil down to what's our response towards those that don't know Christ? We need to love God and walk it out before them. And we need to love them, accept them, forgive them, and be a community of believers as John is closed, John John chapter 12, as John is closed, John chapter 12, that we exalt Christ as individuals and as a community of believers. If you have a family member that doesn't know Christ, join with me in prayer right now as we lift them up to the Lord. Just in, in your mind, just put that, put that name, put that face out before the Lord right now. And let us pray together. Let us join our hearts together in praying for those that don't know Him. And rather than getting stuck in the why, let us do the work of the ministry that Paul models for us. His heart of passion for his kinsmen that don't know Christ. His heart to remind them that you can call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And his heart to be a person that goes and proclaims. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we pray for our loved ones. We, in our heart, in our mind, we lift them up to you today and Lord, you know how many times uh, we shared uh, the good news. And I pray Lord that you Holy Spirit, right at this moment, that you would empower us to love them even more, that you would empower us with the love of Christ to persevere and to love them and speak about the mercies and grace and loving kindness. That we found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave up his life for me. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we're going to close our service just like we do every single week. And remembering Christ and breaking bread together. As a community, and I know we're, we're separated right now, and so engage the community and the opportunities that God has given us. Like if you have a prayer request, could you give us a call? Because we'd be glad to pray for you. If you have a need, like, you're, like you can't get out of your house, <laughs> and you need someone to shovel your steps, hey, give us a call. Or we're out of food. Give us a call. Let us be a community that serves one another, but that requires both sides of the coin to engage each other. You stepping out and taking a risk and giving us a chance to serve you and then us being humble and having a heart to serve, meeting your need. And so as we go to the Lord's table, let us engage breaking bread together as a community of believers that love Jesus, love God, and love people.